Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Monday, November 7th, which means we just got through another week of the NFL season, another topsy-turvy week where a lot of things we didn't see coming seem to uh, keep happening every single week. But we've got a full crew in the house, myself, at Tommy Garapian, joined on this beautiful Monday by Jason Catch. You can find him over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and also Ian Warden over at NFL Film Study. Gentlemen, this was a another great weekend of football. We've got a little bit of news that we did just see uh, take place on this Monday. But before we get to that, Ian, I'll figure I'd throw it to you, ask how you're doing, and uh, also how your weekend went, my man. I'm doing all right. You know, I didn't do too well last week on the spread. I was 0-3-1 on picks that we made on the pod, so... It was really the, probably the worst week that we've had yet. Some of those were just tough breaks. Um, we kind of talked about Miami and Chicago, how that could go. Ended up being a scoring battle. It was a great game. It was really fun. It's awesome to see some of those young playmakers ball out. But it went against what we were going, and so that was a little bit of a bummer. Uh, we did hit the under on the Rams and Buccaneers, so that was good to see. And I did go 11-7 and seven on props. So props are really working out for me this year. I still got to tally my total on that one. but um, So I'll get you those official numbers here. Uh, uh, next week or at least later this week. But so overall, it's it a good weekend. We we kind of made up for some of the bad things and we kind of take our lumps as we hit this Monday night game. But we're, it's all right. We're still looking forward to green. It's also a weekend that we kind of, I don't want to say saw that's coming, but we weren't enthusiastic about the the totals on this weekend, the spread. Like there were a lot of games like, eh, I can kind of see this going both ways. So I don't think, I think it makes sense that the, the props kind of did what they did. I had a, I had a decent week, ended the week in the green, which is always a good sign. Uh, Sunday night football went four and one on props for that. So that actually ended up working out pretty well. Just missed on the Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown, but I'm a sucker. If they're going to score a touchdown, I'm betting Travis Kelsey is going to do it. So ended up doing all right with that one. Cat's been a little bit since you So uh, how was your weekend, my man? Uh, going all right. Um, I'll get to the props and the betting stuff later, but from a fantasy perspective, it's another week with a whole lot of red, but it's red on both sides. So <laughs> it was so, so bad. So at least there's that. Yeah, they gave us like a week of offense. I'm like, all right, that's enough of that. We're going back to the whole part where no one scores any touchdowns. So that wasn't fun. Um, a lot of bye weeks, though. A lot of big-time players not playing football this week. Hopefully next week we can get back to our uh, heavy offensive ways. Basically just trying to make it through this week. Get to week 10 and look at my teams and go, okay, I'm not really worse than four and five everywhere, in which case everything is in play. I got a shot, and that's kind of what we're heading toward. I think I got like, I'm going to have like one team or two teams that are really on the outside looking in. But, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes still. What do we got? Four or five weeks left? Still a lot of time. Yeah, I, I looked at my phase teams. I knew it was going to be a bad week. I had a lot of guys on a bye this week, and it was 
it's one of those where I'm just not even going to look at my scores. I will check them on Tuesday to put my waiver wires in. I'm just going to assume I lost in, uh, I lost everywhere, but hopefully you guys wasn't quite as bad. A little bit of housekeeping here, kind of take over some of the uh, injuries that we saw coming out this week. Luckily enough, this was a pretty clear week in terms of injuries go, which is a, a nice and welcome reprieve from some of the previous weeks we've been having seeing here. Cincinnati Bengals running back Chris Evans uh, left Sunday's game with a knee injury and did not return. Uh, I think they were working out. I think it ended up being okay because uh, Joe Mixon uh, was able to carry the load himself. So we'll kind of probably touch on here in a little bit. Uh, we did see Craig Reynolds suffer a rib injury against Green Bay and did not return. It was really just the Packers who had the biggest uh, injury issues on their side of the ball. First one being Romeo Dobbs, who was ruled out against Detroit. Suffered an ankle injury on the first drive and was carted into the locker room. News came out on Monday that he ended up suffering a high ankle sprain. That puts him out between four to six weeks. So there's a chance Romeo Dobbs might not suit up again for your fantasy football rosters. Um, and I wouldn't be looking towards Christian Watson either as Watson, Watson was ruled uh, evaluated for a concussion. Uh, which is not the first one he's had so far this year. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, uh, but that's another bad sign for going on with him. And also, Aaron Jones was seen with a walking boot on his left foot after the game. On Monday, Did they uh, did come out and say that they don't expect this to make him miss any time, so hopefully Aaron Jones will be back out there this week. Uh, if not, then A.J. Dillon would finally have a chance to have a good game for all you managers who have been managing to hold on to him uh, throughout all this bye week. Good job. You're better at rush construction and uh, maneuverability than I am because I know he's dropped in, in several leagues just because of how poor his, his season has been overall. And then Evan Ingram uh, is the only other injury because he left with a back injury against Las Vegas. Uh, I think the biggest news, obviously, on Monday, Indianapolis Colts announced they have fired head coach Frank Reich uh, less than a week after they got rid of Gus Bradley, who was kind of seen as a bit of a scapegoat in that moment. The Colts uh, suffered another uh, another loss and fell to 3-5-1 and one after its third consecutive uh, defeat on Sunday in a blowout loss to New England. Reich was hired back in 2018 after the Colts were spurned by then-Patriots OC Josh McDaniels. Uh, Frank Reich immediately pretty much got the Colts back in a relevancy uh, going 10-6, and six, but then they've had just had a revolving door at quarterback following Andrew Luck's retirement. Um, at this point now, the uh, they're, we're looking straight ahead for the Colts for 2023. Uh, this season is now a loss, and I think that they're doing a bunch of just evaluation at this point after Reich generated a 40-33-1 record in his four and a half seasons with the Colts, including going 2-1 uh, in the playoffs. I think my question for you guys, I'll start this off with you, Ian, is, do we expect to see any changes personnel wise with the Colts moving forward throughout the rest of this year? They could go two different ways. And I think that will sort of reflect on this coaching staff. You would kind of assume with someone like Gus Bradley, like they would, if, if he is the interim coach, they'd try to win now. Maybe that's a Nick Foles. Maybe you go back to Matt Ryan. I think that's gonna be the most notable thing. Um, if this is more of a Chris Ballard type of, uh, if he's at risk of being fired next and you would think that he would be, um, that could affect things too. If it's more of a, you know, it's every man for himself, then you're going to try to win. If it's more of an organizational, Hey Gus, you're possibly in the mix for the head coach, but you know, job, we actually want to go with some of the young guys because GM is safe. Then you might go even with Ellinger and say, we are just going to play for draft position. 
So it, it, there's a couple different ways to take it. I don't think this ownership is going to be too uh, patient and want to just go for a draft pick. I don't think that they're going to say, hey, Ballard, you're totally safe. Um, whether that's fair or not, he went conservative in a time where everyone's in an arms race. So uh, I do think that will cost him his job. And ultimately, this quarterback carousel, someone's got to answer for that, too. That's not all on Frank Reich. No, no, it's absolutely not all on Frank Reich. And like I said, they have yet to name the the interim coach at this point. But I think, Cass, my question for you is, have you seen enough out of Sam Ellinger at this point to be like, okay, look, they they need to figure something out. Because right now, because like we were all very high on Michael Pittman Jr. And right now, all we're watching is just a decrease in value across this entire offense. Look, that's Jonathan Taylor also. That's the offensive line hasn't been playing well, but obviously this is a, a quarterback-driven league. So have you seen enough to where you're hoping that we do see a change under center, even if it was just going back to Matt Ryan at that point? I'm definitely hoping we see a change, but I'm trying to separate the uh, Michael Pittman fantasy manager from like the actual objective, unbiased NFL team evaluator. And I don't know what going to Matt Ryan or possibly Nick Foles even does for the team. At the same time, what does putting Sam Ellinger out there do? I mean, he, he was what is a day three pick, never really a great prospect in limited I'll action. I'll be honest, I, he's looked what I expected him to look like. It's it is what it is. Exactly. I, I've seen enough to know that Sam Ellinger is not the guy. At the same time, we know. That 37-year-old Matt Ryan and 33-year-old Nick Foles are not the long-term answers for the Colts either. So it's kind of like you have no good option. My hope is that if if it is Gus Bradley as the interim head coach, he's trying to make himself look as good as possible. He makes the decision that is most likely to reflect well on him. And that is certainly going back to one of his two veterans. And I do think that despite the Colts likely not winning more than maybe two or three games the rest of the year, a return to Ryan or a move to Foles will benefit Pittman and at least keep him fantasy relevant for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I think that's all we can hope for. But needless to say, the uh, the issue in Indianapolis run deeper than just uh, what was going on with Frank Reich, um, which is a shame. This is a team we thought we're going to, was going to be competing someone who they came into the season as the, the favorite to win this division. And now at this point are absolutely falling flat on their face, much to the dismay of many of their Colts fans, hoping that they could get the the taste out of the mouth of the way last season ended. It looks like that's going to be moving into 2023, but I think let's go ahead and jump into the week 10 waiver wire. I cannot believe we are in week 10 at this point. And uh, we are now in fully into the back half. We are now in the playoff hunt. It is wins are massive at this point. Stashing players also become a really big deal because as we're kind of starting to get through the back half of the bio weeks, hope we can try to save a few guys on your on your squads. You're hoping can help pay things off down the road. And the cats, we did see a big name where I don't think we necessarily anticipated this one out of Jeff Wilson of the Miami Dolphins. We kind of saw where, you know, he's really trying to recreate Miami East at this point. And Jeff Wilson came in and just had a better day than I was ever expecting. This I thought this was going to be the Raheem Moser show once again, but Jeff Wilson, I think he's put, I don't think not only just Raheem Moser, but also his managers on notice. Hey, look, we might have a change happening in San Francisco, in Miami, or at least a running back by committee approach. So are you heavily targeting Jeff Wilson this week off the waiver wire? If he's out there, absolutely. Now, typically, I try to limit the waiver wire recommendations to sub-50%. Wilson, 51%, just o- just over that. But if he's out there, I mean, you've got to get him. I completely understand anyone who dropped him. 
when Christian McCaffrey went to the 49ers because the reality is there was no chance Wilson was going to be valuable. Elijah Mitchell was going to come back. Wilson was going to be the RB3. You don't need an RB3 behind one of the best running backs in the NFL. But then he got traded to Miami, and immediately he became somebody that needed to be picked up if he was out there just because we didn't know what the role was. But after one week, I mean, we saw plenty of these guys. Look at Naheem Hines going to Buffalo. He didn't do anything his first week. I think he had like one target. He barely played. He was mostly a special teamer. Now, I don't know if that's just because he was new or because they just or they got him just to not use him. I, I don't know. But with Wilson, I mean, right away, he was in there. He actually outsnapped most or 28 to 26. Routes run was pretty much split down the middle, 13 and 12. Uh, Wilson, three receptions, 21 yards and a touchdown, nine carries, 51 yards. They had no allegiance to Chase Evans, who was their big offseason signing at the running back position. Why would they have any allegiance to Raheem Mostert? Because Mike McDaniel played with him in San Francisco. Well, he played with Jeff Wilson, too. I think this is going to be a situation where it might just be at the hot hand, and that could be Jeff Wilson. At worst, we know it's a timeshare. We've seen that already. If, if, if he's doing this in his first week, it, it, it can't, it's not going to get worse. At the very least, Wilson is going to be startable. And what if Mostert gets hurt? We could see Wilson in an 80% snap share role. I mean, this guy is an absolute must roster. Whatever whatever you got to take, go get him. I think more than likely it gets a little bit of annoying at one point or another just because both backs are going to have success. And if they ride the hot hand, one's going to be on the field more than the other at, at a certain time. But I think both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert certainly have value. I think they're both going to be likely in flex territory, even if they're both hurting each other's upside. And like you said, if one is hurt or is injured, then the other is obviously a, an instant must-start RB2 that week. And I think someone who's also getting a little bit of momentum on his side is Cole Hardman after being writ for dead after they brought in Kadarius Tony, He ends up being a, a big player in overtime, catching six passes for 79 yards and a touchdown in Sunday night's overtime win over the Tennessee Titans. I mean, is this sustainable out of Cole Hardman? Probably not, but the guy's got five touchdowns in his last three games, and I think that's where you're really banking on any value you're going to see out of him at this point. Consistency will never be on his side, and we're kind of seeing the the jump in Juju's game now, three straight games where he's had an incredible outing, still on pace for over 1,200 yards, and has really settled in as that number one wide receiver on this team behind, obviously, Travis Kelsey, who's going to be remain that dominant force in the red zone. Um, but I think Miko is kind of he's fighting with MVS. He's fighting with Kadarius Tony for that number three option in this past game. Number two amongst the wide receivers. You want to go that way. I think nine targets. Obviously, that was the season high. And I don't think that's going to be sustainable. I'm not one who really wants to to chase touchdowns, especially someone without a, a proven track record. I get it if you want to go in on Miko because Kadarius Tony or MVS or other guys are already out and you want a piece of this offense with an upcoming matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars is just someone who I'm not, I'm not massively in on. And I just, you're really hoping for an injury for him to have a bunch of value. Otherwise he's kind of one of those guys. I kind of view as more of just a roster clogger more than anything. Um, but you know, obviously it all comes down to how deep your guys roster are and what you're, how much you think you can actually stash on your team. Uh, I know one player that people have been stashing here themselves would be Chuba Hubbard with the uh, Carolina Panthers. Not a lot to bring up on that one just because didn't play last week, but someone if they did get dropped uh, because of bye week issues or whatever, someone I would definitely you know consider taking a look at out there on the waiver wire just because he's going to have a role and they can't just hand the ball off to Dante Foreman every single time. Is obviously he didn't have as good of a week as he did last week. I don't think that's as much of a surprise. 
I think, Ian, the biggest name on everyone's mind right now is Odell Beckham Jr. We saw the report saying that he could be given a clean bill of health and given a full go um, named as early as this week, which is surprising for me because you couldn't have torn your ACL later in the year than doing it in the Super Bowl. Uh, is Odell Beckham Jr., is this now, is he a must-add at this point? Just on the the pure speculative nature of this, we don't know where he's going to go, obviously. We don't know what the role would be, but this is one where it's, hey, look, it's at the playoffs. It's a high upside play. At least stash him that way you end up, if that dice roll ends up, doesn't up coming up well. At least it's on your roster, not someone else's. Yeah, I actually think he's he's more of a bust, more than likely a bust than not um, for fantasy managers. But that being said, I think for the right team, it does make sense, like you said. Now, for the team that's, you know, I've got one league where I'm like three and seven and I'm I'm struggling, you know, or three and six, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm pretty much out of it in that league. It makes, yeah, exactly. If I add him, cool, maybe I can win out, something happens. Let's look at it realistically, though. If he goes to Buffalo, if he goes to San Francisco, those are opportunities where he's going to be fighting for targets. It's going to be kind of a low, lower upside than just his talent indicates. But that being said, I don't mind it. A lot of our rosters have someone that's been dragging this whole year or someone that's not necessarily starter caliber over your stars. There's at least a somewhat small chance that Beckham can be that guy. The other guys that we're talking about right now, besides Wilson, they really don't have that potential unless if they're just a true variance play. So I do say, yeah, if you can get Beckham, just throw in a waiver claim for him. You're going to give up like your sixth running back or your fifth wide receiver on your roster for him. It's not that big of a deal. And he could definitely pay off in a big way, but also just be mindful too that it is a low shot. He is truly the definition of you're taking a home run swing. This isn't like a Gabe Davis who is like a home run or singles hitter. Um, this is truly like you're swinging or striking out, and that's okay. But just know that going into it. Yeah, I, I completely get what you mean by the there's a potential of the bust on this one. Just because we don't know what his role is going to be, we don't know the offense is going to. There's so many question marks that are going on right here. It's Everything has to fall perfectly for this to work out, but it's it's a worthwhile lottery ticket to have on your roster just in case it does cash in. And speaking of cashing in, we have seen that Jeff Saturday has been named the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, which is a, I think Colts fans are going to, are going to love that one. Cause that is one of the most loved members of the franchise over the last couple of decades, obviously former center of the Indianapolis Colts during the heyday with Peyton Manning and someone who's been around the franchise and all this stuff. So to see him kind of get that chance. That's, that's awesome for Jeff Saturday. One of just one of the good guys in the NFL. Someone else we else we did see get a new opportunity this weekend was DeAndre Carter of the Los Angeles Chargers with both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams out. Carter, along with Josh Palmer, ended up carrying the load. Carter ends up second on the of the team amongst wide receivers, uh, right behind Josh Palmer with six targets and five receptions, four fifty three yards and a surprisingly close game 20 to 17 but go figure Vegas had that one spot on with a, a three-point line so Chargers at least uh pushed they didn't cost anything on that one but uh really like the, the steal of that game was it was Cordell Patterson but kind of keeping the focus back on the Los Angeles Chargers cats is this something that you think hey this could be something kind of moving forward because Carter kind of playing a lot more from the spot from the slot about 74% of his snaps. If you're in a bye week pinch, even though he was the number one option for Justin Herbert, you think DeAndre Carter should be someone that managers go out there and try to grab off the waiver wire here in week 10. 
Yeah, I had him on the waiver wire list last week, especially given the news about Keenan Allen. And we're looking at a scenario where we know Mike Williams is out for at least another two to three weeks. And we have no idea when Keenan Allen is going to return. It does not sound like he's particularly close. I actually would, I'd be surprised if Keenan Allen returned before Mike Williams at this point. So that means we have two to three weeks more of DeAndre Carter as the Chargers wide receiver too. This is a team with the second highest pass rate in the league at 66%. And Carter is still out there in about 70% of leagues. I know he's not going to blow the doors off anything. He's not going to win you a matchup. But if he's out there catching like five passes for 50 yards, it's 10 PPR fantasy points. You could use that during bye weeks. It's it's hard out there in the waiver wire. There aren't going to be many true difference-making options, maybe even none for the rest of the season. you got to just find guys you can plug and play that are useful, and Carter is one of those guys. So I would definitely be picking up DeAndre Carter if I needed someone to start over the next couple of weeks. When we get to this point of the year, it, it's hard to find true difference makers on the waiver wire. A lot of the guys have already popped off by this point. It's also why we're like, hey, if you can find one of these guys earlier in the year that start doing something, like we started looking at Travis Etienne, where we're like, oh, wait, this guy actually, his his burst is there. All of a sudden, you end up with a, a massive value on your team. Like, use your fab. Like, don't hold on to it. Don't hoard it. Don't be Scrooge McDuck with it, because you're going to get nothing out of it in the very end of the season. So. Like I said, I, th- I think you might get something out of him, but I don't think you're going to get a crazy amount of production. But someone who is starting to show some flash for the very first time, and for me personally, I I love it. I've been waiting on this, and that is Terrence Marshall of the Carolina Panthers. We saw him kind of take over after they lost, you know, both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase down there at LSU. And while he wasn't having record-breaking seasons, Marshall showed to be a Someone who had some upside in the NFL, and he's kind of starting to put it together here as of late this weekend. Also finding the end zone, catching three of his six targets, 453 yards and a score as the number one receiver for the Carolina Panthers in a game that wasn't even close with Joe Mixon finding the end zone five times in a 42-21 to loss. But that's now back-to-back weeks where Terrence Marshall has started to put it together and has a 22.7% target share since week eight while finishing as the wide receiver 29 and wide receiver 13 uh, still with um, Monday Night Football still to go, obviously. Uh, but the, his advanced metrics are up. I think the someone that there is a bit of a body of work, hey, they could try to pull something together. He's very much taken that Robbie Anderson role in this offense as the new number two. I think the upside's there. We'll see what happens moving forward with this offense. We don't know who necessarily the starter will be as Baker Mayfield did come in and replace P.J. Walker middle of the game. But at least there's signs of life here in Carolina. I'm in on Terrence Marshall, so we'll see if we can kind of get something out of him. I think Zay Jones is another name, kind of continues to impress a little bit down there in Jacksonville. Um, It's always kind of been the question of who was actually going to be that next guy for this offense. Uh, but he does come in and catch all five of his targets for 41 yards. And, you know, Ian, I think Trevor Lawrence, as he's trying to go through these up and down parts of his career and just trying to figure things out, he's kind of rotating between who's my safest target this week. Christian Kirk has definitely been the number one all season, but we've got Dan uh, with uh, Mark Inger who suffered a back injury. And we're kind of seeing him kind of rotating between Marvin Jones or Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, do you think that Zay could end up being that kind of number two option for Trevor Lawrence moving down here? Because like he's got to find some consistency 
but is there enough to where you think there's it's worth going out to try to grab him off the waiver wire though? You know, I, I struggle seeing it, and I think it's just because of the lack of touchdowns. It's the lack of scoring opportunities. He has one touchdown on the season. Um, he's got two weeks with 10 or more targets on him. He has only eight combined targets and receptions over the last two weeks for 68 yards. Like, you know, I, I think he is a nice safety option, but that was the limited signing in which they got Jones. Like, that was the whole premise of them getting him. He's a possession guy. Um, but he's not like a high volume guy because you've got better, you've got guys in the roster that are better at that. Um, so he's a nice piece. I don't, I don't think moving forward, really, he will be that guy. Um, he's more, he's going to be more consistent than, you know, pretty much anyone else, but I still think that there's a lot of opportunity there for Evan Ingram. I think Marvin Jones is, you know, capable of getting those targets any given week, just because the game script can change. So I, I think there's the possibility, but his best three, you know, best two weeks came in the first three weeks. And ever since then, it's been kind of a downhill sled and he's just been kind of mediocre and ho-hum. So I'm avoiding Jones personally until he can start getting in the end zone a little bit more. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that makes a ton of sense. It's There's so many uncertainties down there in Jacksonville. It's I, I'm very much, I'm in on Christian Kirk. I'm in on Travis Etienne. I still think Travis, uh, I think um, Trevor Lawrence, I think there's something to figure out with him. I think, but he's still showing things going in the right direction, but it's, there's just so many wide receivers. I think this is one of the questions that we had on this team was you have a bunch of dudes, but not a bunch of differentiation amongst those dudes that are out there uh, to where it's, Hey, it's, it's Christian Kirk. And then it's, who's going to separate after that. And we haven't really seen a ton of that separation take place. Cats. We've got another running back here on the list and it looked like it was going to be a Dion Jackson game, but I think that big outing he had the, that was the last time he filled in for, uh, Jonathan Taylor kind of gave us a bit of rose tinted glass looking at the outlook of uh, Deion Jackson so he could rush 11 times for 23 yards, uh, caught two of his three targets for eight yards, but left the game with an injury as the Colts were just demolished 26 to three. But you've got an interesting name on here with Jordan Wilkins, someone who the Colts elevated back up. That injury to Deion Jackson could play heavy in the decision making. So Talking about the upside of Jordan Wilkins, whether or not we should be considering off the waiver wire this week, where there really aren't a ton of you know must grab options this week. It's always tricky when we're operating with that lim- with limited information. I actually wonder if if fantasy football wouldn't be better if waivers process on like uh, Wednesday night into Thursday after we get those Wednesday practice reports because we got to make a call now on whether to pick up a guy like Jordan Wilkins without really knowing what Jonathan Taylor's status is for this week, or what Deion Jackson's status is for this week. We won't know anything on that until Wednesday, most likely. But if both of them are out, Jordan Wilkins was the next guy up. And he did play ahead of Philip Lindsay. Uh, the newly acquired Zach Moss was inactive. Now, we have no idea if Moss was inactive because he didn't know the playbook or because, you know, he's Zach Moss and probably should be inactive anyway. We, we, we have no idea. But... Again, as we've discussed in previous episodes, if you wait to find out, you're going to miss out. And if you want a shot at the Colts' potential starting running back, you got to go get him in waivers. Um, I I don't know for sure if if this is going to be something. We could find out that Jackson's fine, JT's back, and then Wilkins doesn't play a snap. He'll be inactive. Or he could be the lead back. And so it's a wildly different range of outcomes here. I would I would take a shot on Wilkins if I had the roster spot, but I wouldn't go out of my way to get the fourth-string running back in what could still be a Sam Ellinger offense. Yeah, I I get you. I for me, I'm probably gonna stay away from this one. Like I either want I either want to play Jonathan Taylor, or I don't want to play anyone else. Because like, if Jonathan Taylor isn't putting together RB one finishes, who else is in this office? I think there's there's just some bigger issues going back, especially 
to the offensive line enough issues to where they, you know, they just fired their head coach. Uh, so I think I'll be staying off of that one here personally. I think we'll run some other names here real quickly off the waiver wire this week. We need a little bit of tight end help. Greg Dolchich obviously is going to be a big name. Cole Komet had the best day of his career. I think Kate Auden is going to make some sense as well. Um, looking at quarterback, you know, Russell Wilson, if you want to stream him possibly against the Tennessee Titans is an option. Uh, Marcus Mariota or Daniel Jones could be out there as well. Justin Fields, if he's out there, my God, just run, don't walk. He is a locked in. Must start every single week. At running back, we kind of hit on the big names. I think I throw Khalil Herbert and Gus Edwards out there if they are available on your guys' leagues. Uh, looking at some other names here, Josh Palmer, who was one of the big names last week. Um, he was kind of that number one. If he's out there, I would take a look at him. Darnell Mooney, George Pickens, uh, Rondell Moore, even Garrett Wilson, who managed to have a good game and what I thought was a bit of a fade spot against Buffalo. But that's now back-to-back good weeks for Garrett Wilson as it kind of works on that connection with uh, Zach Wilson. Kind of taking over that role that should be going to Elijah Moore, but the New York Jets want to play games and, you know, just mess with guys' livelihoods between Elijah Moore and uh, and um, Denzel Mims. But that's a different story for a different day. But I want to ask you guys if you want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season. Well, as a new user over on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet $5 and win a free $200 bet. Just head over to ProFootballNetwork.com. Check out the latest betting promos to claim this offer today. And we kind of talked about the weekend. It was it wasn't the greatest, but like I said, obviously props definitely did save the day. But we've got one more game here on Monday night as the Baltimore Ravens head down to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints. The Ravens do come in at minus one and a half favorites. Game total sitting at forty six and a half. So give me some of your first thoughts um, on what you think the situation might be. Yeah. I like this matchup on paper because I like the way that the the Ravens match up against this Saints team, but I don't love a lot of the betting picks that we have on this one, unfortunately. Um, just kind of looking at the trends of both teams, neither team is especially strong against the spread. The Ravens are at three, five, and one, um, or three, four, and one, and the Saints are at three and five. So it's not like these teams are really living up to expectations. And I know certainly, like the Saints, for me, and some of this has been because of injuries. They're not the team that I thought that they were going to be this year. So kind of looking at the way they match up. I actually really like how the Ravens have the advantage in this one, even though they're dealing with injuries. Gus Edwards, we know about that. Mark Andrews, like we know the limitations of this offense, but the defense really has been playing better. And I think they're going to constrict on an, on a Saints offense that's going to be missing once again. I mean, really for the rest of the season, Michael Thomas, there's just not a consistent presence. I know Alvin Kamara has been awesome this year. He's, he's starting to get back into like that dominant form that we love of him. But the way I match up with this, this talent and this coaching staff, I just think the Ravens, they need this game. They've been playing better over the last couple of weeks. I think their identity is a little bit more set in stone. I think Kenyon Drake is in a really good opportunity um, to have a nice performance. The total trends are all over the place. I know we'll get to some of the picket trends here in a little bit. Um, I'm not even going to be touching them. I think that this could easily go over. This is a really tough game uh, for me to peg because Andy Dalton, he's been streaky. So when he's good, this could easily go over when he's not good. This is easily, I think, going to go under. I think it's really that simple that if he doesn't play well or if he plays well, that affects it too much for my comfort. So I'm going to take the Ravens minus one and a half. I like that that kind of zone there. We're not giving too much cushion, but I do think that they win this game. Yeah, 
I this is an interesting one for me. And honestly, I'm kind of taking that mindset. Like, if I'm thinking about it this close, just hands off. Just kick your feet up and just watch. And honestly, I think this is going to be just one of those Monday night games where I'm going to stay out of it. I probably won't have much skin in the game. And I'm just going to sit back and enjoy a football game with a drink. I think that's probably my best case. I might have a couple props in here, maybe a little bit, but there's not a ton that I love. I know you do have a few listed on here, so you want to run through a couple of your prop bets and we'll kind of throw it over. I'll talk to Katz to see what see what some of his insights are going to be on this game too. I do think that there are some good values in this one. Like you said, Demarcus Robinson had a season-high six catches and 64 yards last week. We're getting at him for an anytime touchdown for plus 195. I think that's a nice play. If any receiver is going to get into the end zone against the Saints defense, you can make a case for any which one of them, honestly. I just think Robinson's the flavor of the week. He's got a little bit of good chemistry um, with Lamar Jackson. So I like his size here in this one too, and, and that might be an asset with Mark Andrews out. Um, I mean, I'm avoiding like the, the obvious play of Isaiah Likely, right, too, so I'd rather get that value there. Kenyon Drake's the other guy for the Ravens that I like, plus 115. We know he's going to be the guy in the backfield. I mean, we can pretty confidently say that he's got the size. He's a great receiving threat as well. Uh, Nice little matchup. It gives you a little bit of versatility there. And then the other one is on the other side of the ball. I'm always going to be playing Chris Olave. Chris Olave is my guy. He's been having a monstrous rookie year. Uh, him and Andy Dalton have picked up right where Jameis Winston and Chris Olave dropped off. Um, I think that's great, great, great news for fantasy managers for Olave, but also for betters um, because we can easily slide him in. It's plus 160 for him for an anytime touchdown. Give me all the Chris Olave versus Marcus Peters reps, reps that I can get and just keep sending that guy deep. And I promise you, he'll have a couple of opportunities to get a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with Chris Olave too is just it's just the air yards that he's getting right now, um, coming into the week leading uh, the NFL in air yards. Well, I'm sorry, top three in air yards because he was just surpassed by uh, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, who both had incredible weeks themselves too. But what Olave is doing, he is truly just living up to all the expe- expectations that many people had on him coming out of Ohio State, where really he was the fourth best receiver on his own team in college, and yet is coming out and just absolutely dominating here in the NFL. Cats, I know you kind of talked a little bit about your weekend, but I know you had a you had a decent week on the props, uh, on the touchdown props so far this year. So kind of go ahead and give us a couple of quick little thoughts that you've got for this matchup here tonight. Yeah, first I'll go over this past week as I do every week. Uh, 10 and 6 on my player props, plus 3.1 units. Um, did not have any touchdown props this week. Just didn't see anything that jumped out at me. We are now 89 and 69 in the season, plus 19 units on the player props. Touchdown props still remain at nine and nine plus 8.55 units. I haven't put out any official plays for tonight's game yet, but there was one that I was looking at, which kind of piggybacks on what Ian was just saying about being excited about Chris Olave. And I'm really taking a hard look at his longest reception over 22.5 yards. I think that one really stands out. We know that Olave has been one of the premier deep threats in the league. Um, I think air yards, I don't know, I'm sure if he still leads the league, but I know he was still in the top five there. Number three. There you go. Tommy's on it with the stats. Number three there in the air yards. And, uh, I think that there's a really good chance that Olave catches a long one. Like like Ian said about the matchup with Marcus Peters, I, I like this bet tonight. Olave already has five receptions for more than 22.5 yards. He's got one for 32, 38, 41, 49, and 51. Uh, so we, we've seen him do this time and time again. He's the clear wide receiver one now in New Orleans. So if I'm going to make this official, you'll certainly find out either on Twitter or, uh, or in the PFN Discord uh, or – if you follow all my bets on Pickett. 
Yeah, we've got to try to track your bets out on messy spreadsheets or don't your ROI because you're on so many records. Well, Picket, the best bet tracking app on the market, makes it quick and easy to track all of your sportsbook accounts. You can track all your bets, shop the best lines, and sweat them out with a community of average sports fans just like yourself. Sign up today using promo code PFN365 to sync all of your favorite sportsbooks, and you can win up to $100 for free. Picket is 100% free and easy to join in you. So what are you guys all waiting for? Remember, that is promo code PFN365 to track your bets and to get 100% just for up to $100 just for signing up. I think as Ian kind of alluded to, the the trends are all over the place for this game. And I think it's, it's very fitting of a game that's probably this close. You're not going to have a, a runaway leader of the clubhouse right now. But right now there is 68% of the money and 75.5% of the bets are on the Ravens to win just on the money line, while 79% of the money, but only 60% of the bets are actually on the Saints to cover. So we're seeing a little bit of a discrepancy here. And then looking on the over-under, they are favoring the under with 85% of the money and 70% of the bets on the under. Ian, is this kind of something that definitely kind of influences you when you're kind of looking into some of your prop bets you've got here coming up? Yeah, it really is. Like, you know, we, we talk about it for a lot of these games. I always want to see where the Sharps are going. So looking at where the money and the percentage of the bets are going on the Ravens to win, um, that to me, 68% of the money, 75% of the bets, it's not not too drastic, right? But when we flip the script and we say almost 80% of the money and 60% of the bets are on the Saints to cover, that means that the Sharps are really hitting the Saints to cover. I know I picked up the Ravens to cover in this one, but it did make me reevaluate re my pick. I tried to search for every angle to say that. It's one of those things where like, you're fighting your instinct and your own projections and your mm -hmm. own metrics against what these guys are doing. So it is something notable. This is something where like, I learn from either way. Um, if we lose on this bet, we definitely look at the Sharps and what they did and try to take away from that. And uh, certainly the under with 85% of the money on the under, that did make me think of that as well. And so I just try to be mindful of that in my own process. Um, and as we hit these props, like Camara anytime touchdown, uh, Camara receiving yards, people are hammering the over 36 and a half, the rushing yards for Camara. It makes sense, right? These are the guys that we know. So just kind of keep those things in mind and keep a balance whenever you're uh, doing your projections and your picks. Yeah, for sure. It's it's one of those where like, it's if you think it's going to be a really close game, then don't all of a sudden think that one running back is going to all of a sudden just like take off or like if you got to change your uh, you got to change your projections a little bit to base off the game scripting, especially when there's there's uncertainty between the the sharps and also the public. I think that also guys kind of has to get factored into that as well. But I also want to talk to you guys about underdog fantasy and tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season, and it's underdog and their picking game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite number of the players that stats, and you can pick up to 20 times your money in a single night if that player goes higher or lower in that individual week. Pick between two and five players for your pick entry, get all of your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN, and you can get in on the action today. Cats, I know this is something that you've been really enjoying a lot so far this year. Now you've got a little bit of, I guess, a couple of different plays here on Thursday, on Monday night, I should say. And I think it's no surprise here leading things off with Lamar Jackson, the one of the most talented players in the NFL and someone who's probably going to be cashing in 
heavily this offseason. Is this also someone you think could be cashing in for underdog users here on Monday night? Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't open with another joke about me going with three lowers for, for my pick and entry tonight. No, at this point, with the way the NFL is anymore, I'm just going to let it ride. If you want to go lower, go for it. It's I've seen nothing to be optimistic about so far. Yeah, it's, it's a good year for someone like me who who prefers lowers and you know misery and all that stuff. But um, yeah, this may seem like you know maybe low hanging fruit attacking Lamar Jackson's passing yards lower two hundred as it's set at two hundred ten point five since he's missing. Rashad Bateman, Mark Andrews, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, even Demarcus Robinson is no guarantee to play. He's got Devin Duvernay as his wide receiver one, Isaiah Likely taking over at the primary tight end, um, and I do like Likely. But as Lamar Jackson's primary target, I just think we're going to get a really run-heavy game plan with Jackson only throwing when necessary. He's had more than 210 passing yards four times this season. But three of those came in the first three weeks before the kind of shift in ideology from the Ravens back to their run-heavy ways. Last week was the first time that Jackson had surpassed 210 passing yards since week three. And it was because there was a specific game plan to throw a ton in the first half. I just think that... I don't think Jackson gets to 200 this week, and they're going really, really run heavy. So I like the lower there. And then I've got two more lowers we're going with here, and they're both Andy Dalton. And I like both these because they're correlated. we got Andy Dalton lower than 1.5 passing touchdowns and lower than 14.35 fantasy points. And I like these both because I don't really see how Dalton can get higher than 14.35 fantasy points unless he throws two touchdowns. If he throws for 250 yards and four touchdowns without turning it over at all, that puts him right at 14 fantasy points, not 14.35. That's also only one touchdown. Yeah, if he throws two, then yeah, he's going to go higher than both, and then we'll lose both. But if we hit on the lower than 1.5 passing touchdowns, then we're probably going to hit on both of these. In Dalton's first three starts, he threw exactly one touchdown in each game. I think this is set at 1.5. That's basically kind of a, you know even on both sides because – he has gotten there his past two games. I think it's a bit of a recency bias, and I think that Dalton is going to stay below that, and I also think that the Ravens' run-heavy game plan helped keep Dalton off the field. So I like Dalton to stay below 14.3 fantasy points and not throw two passing touchdowns. QB fantasy points have actually been one of my favorite underdog pickups to target this year. They've been one of the most profitable ones that I've seen across the board. I know, Ian, you've got a quarterback over your list as well. You've got Lamar Jackson. But where Cats went with the passing, you're looking at the rushing yards. They've got them set at 63.5. Which way are you looking, higher or lower on 63.5 rushing yards for Lamar Jackson here on Monday night? Yeah, combining this with uh, with Katz's, his lower than 210.5 passing, I'm looking at the lower of his rushing yards, too. Um, not saying it won't be a good night for Jackson. I just don't think that this is going to be the game script where he gets a ton of, uh, of total yards. And this is going to be more of a, a little bit of a slog. I think for both offenses and, you know, three of his last four games, he's been under 63 and a half rushing yards. I just think that continues. It's a really good rush defense. They're athletic. They're big. They're fast um, through the first two layers of them. We'll see. It only takes one run for Jackson, but I like the lower just up front. Yeah, that's the hard part. When you're dealing with someone who's this talented, like, you know, it only takes one. Um, And he can just all of a sudden just rip one off. Hey, here's. 75 yards, you know, down the middle of the field. And eh, eh, there went that one. And we would sit here and say, yeah, that's Lamar Jackson. That's that's the kind of upside that he brings. That's like I said, why he's going to get so much money here in this offseason. Uh, but someone else over here on the Baltimore Ravens here, looking at the running back, Kenyon Drake, who is doing his best to stabilize this backfield as the Ravens just continue to have just awful luck 
when it comes to position, you know, with J.K. Dobbins getting hurt last year, coming back, then needing knee surgery again after tweaking his knee after the set had tightened up. You know, Gus Edwards should be the RB1 when he comes back, but obviously he'll be out this week as well. So it's going to be between Kenyon Drake and Justice Hill in the backfield. What are you what are you kind of looking at here with uh, with Kenyon Drake? What's the what's the prop play for him on this one? I, I love the higher at 60 and a half. Like I love Justice Hill, but I just think Drake has had such explosive performances with the Ravens. This is a game that makes sense. It's a little bit of a revenge game. So you've got a little bit of that type of storyline in it. Um, 60 and a half total yards. I think that's totally attainable. He's looking for his third straight road game with 65 plus uh, total yards. So I'm going to go on the higher on this one. It's just one of those. It's playing into the strength of the Saints defense. That's always the question, but it's with Baltimore. It's just the volume. You know yeah. where the ball is going to go. These running backs can work, and regardless of the opponent in this system, I think it makes a ton of sense to follow on Kenyon Drake. And I think one of the players, someone you talked about a little bit earlier, but we've all kind of hit on him, Chris Olave, just everything and more for this New Orleans Saints offense. They announced Michael Thomas. Like might not even come back uh, this year. Chris Olave has been playing well enough to where they've been okay without him despite being like we talked about, like maybe the number four on that Ohio State offense, which is just absolutely insane. But Olave has turned into that number one on this team and is really just only getting better. Whether it's been with Jameis Winston, I think what we've been the happiest to see is that his success has continued with Andy Dalton. So it's kind of showing it's not just a product of Jolo Winston chucking the ball downfield, but it's really just Chris Olave running an NFL-style route tree. He's not just running nines. He's actually running slants. He's running crossers. He's playing into more of a possession-style role while being willing to take those deep shots down the field, which is you know the the body of work of someone who is a well-rounded athlete and well-rounded player, and I think that's Chris Olave. So I think the higher on the 63.5 yards makes a ton of sense uh, for him on this offense on Monday Night Football. That's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and review, whether it's on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts at. Also, continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to ProFootballNetwork.com to where you can check out all the latest analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. And also to get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gives you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN Productions, including weekly giveaways and weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup, waiver advice, and a Sunday morning start sit, plus any more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. It's also never too early to start your mocks for the 2023 season by using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at profballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13 and Ian at NFL Film Study, then also myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Speaking for Ian and Jason, we will see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the show.